Welcome back to Meathead Hippie Podcast. I am your host, your meathead, and your hippie, Emily Schramm. For those who are asking uh, recently, if you're new to this, meathead, yes, I love meat, but it's more about the like cut off shirt, total meathead bicep curls. I think sometimes people forget that. <laughs> if you get it, you get it. But welcome back. I wanted to just do a quick intro today. No long moon book, dark moon, emotional roller coaster intro, but more of those will come soon. If you missed it last week, please, please listen in just a quick update on everything happening in my world. I am loving my private Facebook group. I knew that it needed to happen because I just felt, you know, the more that I had going on, the more and more products happened. And I just was like feeling further and further away from the reason that I do this. You guys get to listen to me on this podcast, but to hear from you, which is what that Facebook group is, is has just been pivotal. I mean, it's just so different the way I am able to express things and the way I can connect and communicate. It's just human, which is what I need more than anything in this world of social media and product and business, it's so easy to get ungrounded. So I, I wanted to thank you if you're part of that group, if you're in it, I love it. If you're not, super easy to find it. Uh, if you go to my Instagram link, the first thing it says, join this Facebook group, Good Humans Only. We are doing a pre-order for shirts that said Good Humans, <laughs> um, and that closes out tomorrow. So you only have one more day to order those. I have four shirts. There's a two for, um, two unisex, a men's shirt, a men's awesome comfy uh, sweatshirt, and then two girls' shirts. So please go check those out and pre-order on the website, emilyshram.com, and you can go to swag, and you would be able to find it right away. That is where everything is, so if you aren't sure where to find all the things, strength programs, etc., uh, go to emilyshram.com. We have a huge sale coming up soon for some six-week strength programs. So hold tight for that. I will announce that soon on Instagram. And I think that's all I have. I, you know, everything else is um, moving. The gym is opening September 22nd. I have some really great events that are coming up soon after that. So I'm going to be a part of the NTA Business Summit in Austin. Uh, and I have some other things in the works that I can't quite talk about, but I'm going to soon. It's going to be incredible. My biggest focus is to give you high quality content. And this is fun for me. You know, we'll sometimes have sponsors, but this is how I connect to people outside of that Facebook group. Really, this is it. And so I really cannot wait to talk to you about this guest that we have today. I found her through, I think it was like a an inquiry. I don't know exactly what happened. I just was like, we have to, we have to interview her. And she's one half of this uh, nonprofit called Smart Fit Girls. And I just want to read her bio. She's such a badass. And then we're going to jump right into it. It will challenge you. It, it's going to be a hard conversation, but it's important. We're going to talk touch on so many things. And I just really encourage you to listen to this, especially the end when she talks about for all my moms you know, the best approach when it comes to just in believing in yourself and how that translates to the people that are watching you the most. I'm not, a, I'm not a mom, but I just, I feel like this was just so powerful, even for the girls that I train. So anyway, this is Chrissy. Chrissy Chard is a, an assistant professor with the Colorado School of Public Health at Colorado State University, what, what, Colorado, with a focus in community and behavioral health. She is the co-founder of Smart Fit Girls, this nonprofit that we will talk about it is for adolescent girls, and it's an empowerment program. So they focus on strength training, and then they also focus on self-love and self-worth and all the cool things that go along um, with learning how to navigate your body in this day and age. She received her PhD in human bioenergetics in the Department of Health and Exercise Science at CSU. Her research fo focuses on physical activity and psychosocial health in adolescent girls and community-based participatory research. She has much experience in health and wellness coaching in the clinical setting and in the general population. She is in Fort Collins. Um, she, is, she has a daughter, Lucille and Jack, and she will be hosting an event that she'll talk about on September 21st and 22nd, but hopefully soon 
Her next event will be downstairs at Platform Strength. I am incredibly honored to have her because she not only sees the world through the lens of this incredibly intelligent perspective of this behavioral science approach and public health approach and communities and how to change them and how to grow them, grow them and how for, how to get them to have access but from this side of how do we what has really changed my own perspective strength training and nutrition and capability of my own body and bridging those together i just i loved it so i know you you will too um I can't wait to hear what you guys think. As always, if you love the podcast, please leave a review, especially now that my audio has gotten a lot better. (laughs) Um, And I'm just so obsessed with you guys. I hope you know this. I'm so appreciative. Uh, Keep keep being there for me and I will keep giving you good content. You guys are there for me through that Facebook group, through your comments, through your likes, and through your encouragement. not to get too sappy and emotional, but your support is why I am here today. And I'm not talking literally, I'm talking energetically. I just truly believe that from the bottom of my heart. (sighs) Okay, here we go. Enjoy. (laughs) I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Meathead Hippie, Chrissy Chart, Chard, Chard like the vegetable, which is my favorite vegetable. (laughs) Chrissy Chard, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad we connected. I think there was a couple, I I heard about your powerlifting meet that you have going on. Um, I heard about Smart Fit Girls and then I just dug in and I was like, you have to be on my podcast. So (laughs) I'm really glad. I, I know there's only one of what there's two of you of a part of smart fit girls. So I only have half of you, but really excited to just dig in to all the things, strength training and all the things, women empowerment, starting with girls. Cause that's just such a huge piece of what, um, what I, what I believe in so strongly and to see somebody doing it in the way that you're doing it is just very, very cool. So I'm so stoked to talk. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. So let's talk about, you kind of have this very unique background. So you have started this nonprofit, Smart Fit Girls, which we're going to really dig into about the whys and hows and, you know, the different types of curriculum, because I know so many of my listeners are going to be very interested in that. But I want to talk more about this um, public health background that you have and this focus of community and behavioral health and science that it's something that I've never had someone on the show talk about is just really this, I'm a, I'm a meathead. I'm obsessed with strength training and helping other mini meatheaders, but how that incorporates into, I think, society. And I just think that this is going to be super cool to talk about. So tell me about really your position at Colorado State University and what you do and where your passion is when it comes to that side of what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I did basically all of my schooling at CSU. I am a Ram fan at heart. Um, and most recently completed my PhD in the health and exercise science program. Um, and it's a very sort of integrative physiology type of degree. Um, and throughout my entire dissertation, I always felt myself drawn to uh, projects that were working with um, actual humans. Uh, we had a lot of people doing cell work. And for me, it was they were tiny humans, right? They were children, but they were, they were full humans that I was most interested in um, because you can do something in a lab, but the moment you take it outside of that and life is happening around you and your environment has all of these things going on, it makes for this really interesting, messy, intricate web of factors. And so, um, you know, I finished my PhD and then got into my position with the School of Public Health and that was a real eye-opening experience for me because I, I trained as an exercise scientist, and that is a very narrow view of what health and what exercise is. And um, for the last three years, have continued to expand my vision of what health is um, and who that involves. Um, 
I think oftentimes we forget about the populations who experience a lot of marginalization when we're talking about health and it all has to be in this framework of health equity, right? How are resources equitably, equitably being um, dispersed to populations? So um, that's a lot of what we do with, the, with my work in public health is thinking about how are we um, engaging with communities? How are we doing that in an intentional way? How are we learning from people um, who experience marginalization to really provide resources, whatever it might be, um, to, to help everybody sort of achieve health uh, in an equitable way? And I love it because it's a deep conversation of the things that we tend to forget, right? So we have, as you know, most of my audience, I think, just incredibly lucky and access to so much that we take for granted. So I think that's first and foremost, that recognition and, you know, understanding a little bit more, I would like to kind of know your thoughts. We, we know that access is hard to get in those areas and in those minority groups. And it's something that can be as simple as deserts or what is it? Grocery deserts or food uh, deserts deserts where Mm -hmm. it's just impossible to find vegetables in those areas, or maybe it is the fact that their program for physical education just got cut from their school. So I think that's where I always struggle because it's like, you know, I want so badly to help. Most of my listeners know that we, I worked with Girls Inc. and I continue to work with them and I am obsessed with that. As much as I can help, this is how I will help. But I think so many of us were like, what do we even do? You know, I, I have the desire and I have the want and I have the passion, but how do you, you know, I think in, in that really that step to the next, how you can help is really understanding it. So I would love if you could talk through a little bit of just your own perception of how it's gotten to where it is and how we could kind of help bridge that. Yeah, I think, you know, I think, the biggest thing that we can do, and I think something that uh, public health is really focused on right now is effective community engagement. And, and by that, you know, I, I don't mean going in and bringing something to a population and saying, here, we, we're doing this for you, we're giving this to you, right? It's, it's going in and saying, what can we learn from you, right? And it's sort of flipping the script on this sort of deficit mindset of saying, you know, what are the things that these people don't have? And thinking about what are their strengths, right? What are the real capacities of this community that we could tap into? What could we learn from them? Um, And then it's sort of this mutual um, coming together to sort of raise everyone's bar. Um, There's a quote that I really like that says, um, if you've come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you've come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. Um, And that's Lila Watson. um, And she was an activist and educator. And that for me really speaks to the whole approach that we ought to have um, when we're doing this work. Hmm. And I love that because it's like the the deficit thing is instantly elitist. We're tying into the thing you're trying to break. And I see this all the time, even in mission trips, people, you know, it's so backwards. It's, it's, there isn't lacking, it's just access. So um, for me, I think that would be the best place to start is let's talk about the, probably jump into your nonprofit. How did you go from, you know, where you are and being interested in how it's really tying into community and changing the language in that community or you know, even changing the language of help to that community to starting this nonprofit that is specific for adolescent girls. Yeah, it sort of happened um, kind of at the same time. And and in some ways, I would say Smart Fit Girls almost came first. Um, So my co-founder, Kelly Walters, she's at California State Long Beach. She's a professor there. Um, And the two of us, we were in grad school and um, in some ways trying to make our way through school, we um, opened or created a health coaching company called Smart Fit Chicks. Um, we both have background in health coaching. And so um, we saw a real need for, and it was primarily women who are our clients. Um, you know, so we're working with all these women on, on standard you know, physical activity, health behaviors. Um, and the more we worked with our clients, the more we saw that these challenges that every one of them had around body image and self-esteem, 
they were so deep seated and it was it was completely keeping women from being able to accomplish their goals right because it was always coming from this place of i need to change or i need to do something different not i want to take care of myself because i love and care about myself so much um and so we sort of had this aha moment of like why are we waiting till we're adult women to talk about this and do something about this so um, because we're researchers by trade we dig into the literature you know and we're like well what is out there for adolescent girls um and we found what we thought we would find that there's very little um you know we also found it's at that point this sort of adolescent age where girls physical activity levels just drastically drop is it around 12 or 13 is yeah, that yeah 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 it's sort of it's more middle school it, it typically you know that transition from elementary to middle school is really where a lot of that happens you know they oftentimes don't have recess anymore um or it's not as socially acceptable to be engaging in physical activity during their free time like it is for boys um and so that drop below the physical activity guideline it happens about a year and a half earlier in girls than it does in boys. So you're exactly right. It's about 12 or 13 years old. Um, we also started seeing that, you know, the girls are struggling so much with all these psychosocial health factors, like I mean, rates of depression and anxiety are unheard of um, in this population and, and things very serious up to suicidal thoughts, right? It's, it's, so prevalent compared to what it used to be compared to boys. Um, and so, you know, adolescent girls in many ways are this very health disparate population. Um, so we, we thought, okay, well, there's sort of this need, there's not a lot out there, so let's create it. Um, and that really is sort of how our program started. Kelly at the, that time was starting her PhD and had the opportunity to use our Smart Fit Girls program really as the focus of her dissertation. So the other really wonderful thing about this is we have so much evidence to show the effectiveness of this program. Hmm. So that's kind of how it, how it has all gotten started. I love it. And I just briefly, before we get into some of the outcomes that I know Kelly's found, what is your thoughts on social media for this age group? Oh, it's, it's so, it's so tough. Um, the vast majority of girls who go through our program have social media. They're primarily on Instagram and Snapchat. And what is Instagram? It's filtered pictures. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think to myself, as adults, we still haven't figured out what effective limits on social media, what is a healthy, right, use of social media, mm -hmm. let alone giving our adolescents this tool and expecting that they know how. Yeah. Uh, I, so yeah. it's bad. <sighs> and I can imagine it not... Um... I don't know. I think it's so hard because like as adults, we're like, we are still trying to figure this out. Like, how do you not feel bad when you exit your Instagram because yeah. they're in comparison? So then you add 12 year old hormones and <laughs> the same concept. It's just like amplified by a thousand. Yeah. And I don't know what I would do. You know, I had this conversation. If I did have a 12 year old girl, I would be like, you know, how do you handle that? I don't, I don't know the best approach because I think it is so unique, but it's also, I know it's just making everything worse. I, I see it when I do work with the girls. I'm like, oh gosh, I just, nobody touched your phone for yeah. an hour. Do not touch your phone. <laughs> just put it away. Everyone's in burpees if you touch it. Um, so talk to me about the, some of these in her, uh, in her work, kind of the proof of concept before you rolled this program out and really the, the curriculum, you guys don't just focus on strength training, which one I love that that's your, that's your lift. That's your yeah. movement of choice is strength training. That's amazing. Um, but you're also focusing on the emotional component and the mm -hmm. self, self, uh, self-belief yeah. component. So talk to me about those outcomes that you guys found. Yeah. Um, and so real quickly to your point, the program is it's set up as sort of an after-school model that we have a couple other, we have some in-school PE alternatives. So in some schools, girls can sign up to take PE and, or excuse me, smart fit girls instead of standard PE, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and then we also have a summer camp model, but in our traditional standard after-school program, um, we spend about half the time doing physical activity. And to your point, it's all strength training. And that was really intentional because Strength training is a really empowering form of physical activity, as you know. It's also part of the guidelines, right? It's good for bone health, it's good for mental health, and it's 
and adolescents should be engaging in it, and yet girls especially are never introduced to that as a form of physical activity. So it's half strength training, and then the other half is all of our curriculum, all of our activities on um, body image and self-esteem and Photoshop and media and bullying, self-love, all the other things. Um, so yeah, when it comes to outcomes, uh, our three primary outcomes are physical activity enjoyment, because we know that that's a precursor for lifelong participation in physical activity and then self-esteem and body image. Hmm. And I would say our strongest outcome that we consistently see is body image um, and an improvement in body image over the course of, of the program. Um, a lot of that then can translate. There's so much evidence to say when you feel good about your body, you feel good about yourself and then you feel good about all these other areas of your life, right? You're, you have better relationships, you have better academic performance, right? So it sort of just translates. So I think most of us listening have all, we, you know, this is definitely catered towards adolescents or teenage. I think all of us listening need this. So let's talk about this body image because I do want to talk, you know, without getting into details, details of curriculum, what do you think the biggest takeaway for all my listeners who still are in that place where whether we are 14 years old or whether we are 44 years old, um, this, this feeling that you said, when we just come from a place of, we don't appreciate our body, we're just Mm -hmm. trying to change it. And that's a huge message of mine is like, how do we want to have improvement without self-hatred? How do we find that happy place? And I would just love your opinion based off of the curriculum, curriculum you've built and like the positive, um, feedback in the programs, what do you think the biggest couple steps or step? I don't know if that's even a thing you can answer, yeah. but where yeah. do you start with that? You know, I think one of the things that I'm learning, the more that I'm in this work, you can certainly work on it from an individual level, right? And like trying to talk yourself up and right. Saying positive things to yourself in the mirror every day, right? There are some of those things that you can yeah. do. The mantras. Yeah, totally. <laughs> if you don't also acknowledge the systems at play, you will never be able to combat it, right? It is, it is layers and layers of media and, you know, just the way that women are represented in, in all forms of media, that if we don't fight back against those systems, if we don't push for broader representation in terms of body size and shape and color um, in the media, we will never be able to feel good about ourselves because we will never see ourselves represented in those images. Mm. I have this, um, I need to make an intro to you. She's in Denver. She's called, um, she, her company, it's a couple people, but in this together media, but that's the whole concept is for books and playwrights uh, and, yeah. and for movies and TV shows is getting people represented because if they don't see themselves in the show they they will always fee- feel marginalized. And it's so yeah. incredible. When I saw it from that perspective, it wasn't health and fitness. It was I just want to have a, somebody that I can relate to in a TV show because I'm no longer, I'm not seeing myself in that. And I, you know, I think there's so many times people are like checking the diversity box and, but it's still, we have so, 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 so far to go. What would you, what would you change if like maybe one or two things or maybe a bunch of things, the systems that you see day to day, what are those things that like really piss you off? Um, well, there's one that's just in my head because I was just at, uh, a store buying protein bars and I don't know how many of them had like thin in the title, right? Like it's, it's so subliminal. Um, and it's so pervasive. We don't even notice. Right. Um, so that one just again, cause I, it like just happened to me. Um, and I thought, come on, you know, um, and then the other one, I do think it is it's the representation thing, right? It's, it's turning on a, a television show or opening up a magazine and seeing something other than a thin, white, fit, you know, muscular but not too muscular, shiny hair, clear-skinned woman, mid, you know, early 20s, right? It's seeing something besides that. Because um, again, you know, and again, as adults, and as adult women, I think we can look at things and say, that's Photoshopped. Um, adolescent girls, they, they don't see that yet, right? They, we have a lesson on Photoshop. And 
they are shocked to know that nothing that they see is, is untouched um, or unretouched, right? Yeah. Uh, and so that, I think for me, especially when I think about our adolescent girls, they have to see something else that even somewhat resembles them uh, represented. <sighs> yes. I did, uh, there was a podcast I did on pleasure, and this is such a tangent, but mm -hmm. really it ties into this because every system at play that is to make us feel not worthy is, in, is made for men. Yeah. And that is what's so frustrating is I, I think I don't know how to really, you know, outside of just being who, who I am and who you are and creating the programs for those girls, that's something that's like going to take so much time to break because yeah. it, it has changed. But at the end of the day, it's like, what would they think is sexy? What would they like? And I think that's what makes me so angry is that mm -hmm. we don't even realize it, that it becomes women versus women mm -hmm. in a system that's meant to satisfy men. Yeah. A hundred percent. It is. And, you know, I think for me, one of the things I've spent the most time on in the last couple of years is unpacking my whiteness and the white feminism, right? I mean, I forever have considered myself a feminist and only in the last couple of years have I realized the ways that I have operated under this feminist um, lens that have only seen this very narrow view of what, what or who a woman is. Mm. Yeah. What are some changes that you've had? Because that's, this is, this is good for me as another yeah. white woman is yeah. what are some ways to kind of broaden this perspective? If someone's sure. like, how, how do I do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one more quote that I love, uh, it's Audre Lorde and she says, I we love, not. we love quotes by the way. Oh, great. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so she says, I am not free while any woman is unfree, even when her shackles are very different from my own. And so, you know, I think about, so one simple thing is like a check for me. It's easy for me to walk into a room and say like, oh, I'm the only woman in this room. There's something wrong with that. It, it has been a shift for me to walk into a room and say, I, I don't see any other women of color in this room. I don't see any, right, whatever. Any people of color. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, and to notice how problematic that is as well, right? It's, it's easy for me to say like, there's something wrong with no women being in this space. There's also something wrong with no people of color being in any space. Hmm. Um, and so for me, that's been one sort of check that I've started to, to notice. Um, and then, you know, it's sort of like, it's sort of like the um, second thought that counts, right? Like let's acknowledge that again, to your point, we have all been raised in this system right? We all have biases. We all have stereotypes. It's, it's part of what we have grown up with. Um, and so if we can start paying attention enough to notice the thought and then think about what is our second thought, right? Can we unpack what felt um, stereotypical about what we just saw, the, the judgment that we just had about a person? Um, can we question where that judgment came from and start to then correct how we're thinking about things? Um, and then we have to commit to educating ourselves, right? Google, you can literally Google anything. Um, I, I was listening to a recent episode of yours when you were talking about, um, this is, you talk about a tangent. Um, uh, you were answering questions about yourself and one of them was, um, flip-flops or, uh, uh, tennis shoes. <laughs> right? Or something. And, and you talked about the foot fetish and you said, don't go Google it. Right. And it, it was that moment of like, oh my gosh, you literally <laughs> can Google anything. Um, and so, you know, I think oftentimes we rely on people of color to explain it to us. Right. And, and we can't do that. Right. That's emotional labor that we need to take upon ourselves. Um, and, and so for me, it's been like thinking about, okay, the, the emotion that it should strike in you is not defensiveness, it's anger, right? Like I am angry that the system has set up this way that it's so unfairly disadvantaged people. Let's take off sort of this layer of white guilt to say, and then we get defensive, right? Let's just say, let's commit to doing something about it. And that involves educating. And then that involves starting to notice. And then when you notice, then you can even start to maybe say something, right? And it just sort of snowballs from there. And I do, I would love 
to hear from you and what you've done and the work you've done is the feeling of, especially I think it's in all nonprofit work. Um, I've been involved in it since a young age. My sister has really been involved in it. And so I've been around it and it's the state of, I mean, it's just exhausting, right? I, I can't say I've been involved in it in the state that she has or you have. And I'm so Im impressed with people that that is, I just think it's so hard to not get jaded. And I wonder the conversation you have in, with yourself is like, what, how do you acknowledge those little baby steps? And when you feel like you are swimming upstream, mm -hmm. you know, cause that's how it's going to be for a long time. And for people that are like, I don't even know if this is making a difference. Like it does saying something really make a difference or would volunteering really make a difference. I just would love to hear your own kind of thought process as you have built this and as you are growing it, you know, what you think about um, the differences you've seen and also just to make sure that you're staying in that place. I mean, it's just who you are. So I think it's yeah. just, coming from your heart and it is your passion. Uh, but it's a hard place to be because it's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a couple things. One of them, I am starting to understand, you know, why people talk about self-care being so important and being able to disconnect from it and find joy in certain things. Um, but one of the things that I'm continuing to remind myself is, my ability to walk through the world comfortable all the time is one more example of my privilege, right? There are many people who, who don't have that option. Um, and so it's, it's a reminder to me to stay uncomfortable. Um, and that takes practice too, right? Little by little, like you said, like maybe you say something once, right? And you kind of, you know, like your heart rate gets going. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, I can't say this or, and then you do and you're like, oh, goodness, do I feel better? Um, but then it's a matter of staying in it, right? And continuing. And I think the biggest thing for me is taking a humble approach, right? Humility being um, this sort of modest view of your own importance. Mm. Um, and I think when we do this work, we have so much to learn, especially those of us like myself who come from a place of a lot of privilege. I've got to acknowledge that there's so much information I don't know, and I never will because I don't have the lived experience. Um, and so I have to take it upon myself to do the self-educating, to learn about what else is going on, to surround myself, right? To put myself intentionally in spaces that force me to learn and allow me, you know, to sort of grow in that way. Yeah. I think that's so great. When it comes to, let's jump into Smart Fit Girls again. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. I think it's so great. <laughs> um, I would love to know, just based on your curriculum and based on why you created it and kind of like the, the good stuff, right? So you are bringing this to life and it's a 10 week, for the most part, 10 weeks, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, when you are kind of making this curriculum or if you're talking to somebody that's 12, 13, 14 years old, yeah. what are like those things that you at the end of the program or throughout their life, you're like, yes, that's what I want you to get. Do you have like a checklist? Yeah. That, I mean, <laughs> deadlift, it could be like, what are your must haves? And it could be physical. Maybe we could do like a physical bucket, like physically, what do you want them to, to conquer? And then we, we'll, we'll do the emotional yeah. bucket. Yeah. Um, when it comes to physical, so we do some pre post fitness assessments. We don't collect data on that. It really is all for the girls so that, you know, because you know, right. When you accomplish a goal, it feels so good. It's so motivating. Mm -hmm. Um, and so them seeing improvements in their fitness assessment, which involves things like, um, pushups, uh, and a plank and a wall sit. Um, so on the physical side of it, one is improvements in those over the course of the program, and then the other physical thing, perhaps physical that might fall into the other, is a comfort level with doing strength training, mm. right? One of the principles that our program was founded on is competence um, and feeling skilled at that activity. Mm. Then you can feel confident that you will continue to be able to do it because you know that you're good at it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's so true. Yeah. And that's, that ties into adults too. So if you're listening and you're terrified yeah. of strength training, trust me <laughs> the, we've all been there it, it, because we did it. And it's almost scarier to not have that tribe around you. If you're just going into the gym, you know, it, it's like own your space, like take up space and you got to just do it, but it is yeah. terrifying. So trust me, I see you. <laughs> so worth it when you get, can get to that level where you're like, I know I could go to any gym and feel 
like I'm not going to hurt myself or I don't have to feel smaller because I don't want to like take up space. So yeah, I love that. And then from, from the other component, like from the more, you know, mental, emotional, yeah. uh, I like that you call it psychosocial health, <laughs> like this, this other health side, yeah. what are the takeaways? And, and I think that's how it translates to the community mm-hmm. in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think again, it's a couple things. It's one feeling like you are worthy period, right? Not, not under any conditions, right? Feeling like you are worthy of love and connection and belonging, right? And in and of itself, end of story. Um, so that's the first one. Um, and with that comes along this feeling like you are capable then of going out into the world and, and doing whatever it is, you know, whatever, speaks to you, right? Whatever your heart is telling you is what you're here to do. Um, that's what we want these girls leaving knowing. Um, and, and then, you know, certainly within that is acknowledging the systems that are telling them that they need to look and act and be and do and, you know, live a certain kind of life so that they can say no, and they can push back on that and acknowledge that's Photoshop. That's not real. Right. Um, so yeah, so I think those are those are the main things. I love it. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> um, and for you, like, um, what do you think is the scariest when you watch your girls or even in your own journey? Uh, what's the, what's harder for them to conquer? Is it the physical? Is it a mix? Is it more of the competency that you talked about feeling like they are, um, I, this is what's so cool about this is that if anyone's experienced strength training, they know how quickly that translates to self-confidence mm-hmm. so These are meant to be together that you cannot talk about self-confidence and body image unless you are giving them the hands-on approach of them feeling their own body. This is why I'm so obsessed with CrossFit <laughs> girls. And so it's just so cool. I, I mean, have you seen patterns? I'm just curious from like, I think I'm more mentally preparing for when I have this downstairs. <laughs> for my own gym. Um, you know, what do you, what do you see happen first? Is it the confidence? And this is going to translate well for everyone listening. Is it the confidence in, I could do that deadlift. I can do it again. Or is it the, I'm integrating it with the, the emotional curriculum kind of component it might be all over. I don't yeah. Know. No, uh, I think for me personally, it was definitely the strength training piece first. Um, it was like, holy shoot, I can squat that much? Like, what else can I do? You know, yeah. um, I think for our girls, it, it's, a, it's a hard question. You know, I think in some ways it's the same, but in some ways it's all sort of happening at the same time. What I will say, and this is anecdotal, so we have programs. Our program is available whether you have access to a full weight room or not. Um, so we have sort of these minimalist workouts, right? That are very body weight, um, resistance band focused. Chrissy, you, can, uh, do you need impacts? Uh, yes. Maybe oh we God. need some impacts. Yes. <laughs> Let me give you some impacts. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay, cool. Sorry to interrupt it. Me, I'm going to add that to the list here. <laughs> love it. Um, and so, or we have workouts programmed for when you have full access to a fully equipped weight room. And again, this is anecdotal. We don't have a big enough sample size to study it yet, but I do think the girls who spend time in the weight room that get a barbell on their back, right? That bench press, that, that move the weight. I do think that they come out having been more impacted in all these other ways as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we both experienced that for sure. Yeah. Um, Strength training is just such a, just a necessary way to change the change the conversation in your own head yeah Um, the community do you and and I know this is uh you know this is in the program like how how big is having that tribe around those girls yeah I mean I'm just curious from your perspective based off your love of community (laughs) Um, I love this because you're highlighting so our program was founded on a theory of behavior change called self-determination theory Okay. And there are three principles of self-determination theory. So competence, which we sort of already talked about, mm-hmm. um, autonomy, which is this feeling of independence, right. And having a sense of control over your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third one is relatedness. So it 
ties right into this question about the tribe. Um, and the theory basically posits that when you have these three sort of basic needs met, um, you can move your motivation from extrinsic, um, right? Like I'm doing this because I'm in a wedding or I'm doing this because, right, I, I want to look a certain way to intrinsic motivation. I'm doing this because I, I'm taking care of my body and it feels good and I enjoy it. Oh, um, and so, so good. <laughs> yes. Wow. So, That's a yeah. huge shift. Yeah. So um, absolutely that relatedness piece, that tribe, like you talked about, is a huge piece of it. And the girls consistently report both with the other girls, but also with the coach, right? I don't think we realize what an impact, you know, a strong, um, not just physically strong woman role model in their lives can do. Um, so, so it's both with other girls and with the coaches. Hmm. I love it. And kind of my last question and, you know, tangent and tangent aside is what stigma, you know, for people that are, maybe they have teenage girls that are growing and the age that's appropriate for strength training. I would love to kind of go through that science, science, um, background with you of what type, what time is good for weights and what time is good for body weight and just your own opinion of when to get a girl fully in strength training or when to start somebody, whether they're a mom or an aunt or a teacher, uh, what's, what's your thought process on the stigmas that go with it and what the reality is? Yeah. Yeah. So certainly, um, there was a belief not that long ago, um, that doing strength training during childhood could lead to all sorts of bad things, right? Stunted growth and, and things like that. Um, basically all of that really has been debunked, uh, assuming you're doing it in a healthy, right? Progressive overload, right? Uh, kind of way. Um, so I wouldn't say, you know, I think by late elementary school, you can certainly be engaging in strength training, right? And using some dumbbells, starting to use a light barbell, right? I, I think that there's so much to be said about learning those movement patterns early that, you know, can develop you into feeling like a physically active, competent, right? There's sort of like this physical activity literacy, right? And you feel competent in, in moving your body in those ways then you consider yourself an athlete, right? And then that translates into all other kinds of things you might do in your life. So um, you certainly can start strength training with kids in that late elementary age. Um, and then because you, if you just start in this progressive overload, right, you just continue um, so that by the time they're 12, they could be fully full following a strength training program. Um, yeah, and it's, it's so good for bone health, right? I mean, we know that, we know, you can only build bone health for so long and then you're just trying to maintain it, right? Or like as Not lose it as thing. slowly as you yeah. possibly can. So it's actually a really critical time to be um, engaging in strength training to build that bone, um, bone mass. I love it. Do you, do you guys tap into nutrition at all? Yeah, that's a really good question. So we have taken a very, um, so our smart fit girls nutrition philosophy is balance, variety, and moderation. Um, as you know, every person that you talk to has a different idea, um, of what healthy eating is and what, um, a healthy diet is. And so, um, we, it's based on the current Netflix you should watch. Yeah, right. <laughs> totally. Totally. So we, um, we have a couple lessons in there that talk about macronutrients and micronutrients. Awesome. Um, we do an activity with my plate to talk about sort of food groups and, um, that has been the extent of it. We in the last year have had, um, a graduate student in the nutrition department help develop some intuitive eating lessons to mm -hmm. accompany our curriculum. Um, when we think about our philosophy and our approach, intuitive eating ties in beautifully with that, right? With starting to trust your body and listen to its signals, right? Um, so we are in what I would call um, pre-testing phases with our intuitive eating lessons. I love that. That was a big piece of my last podcast. And yeah, it's just understanding, you know, and from the nerdy side of that, your cravings aren't weaknesses, they're signals, right? Mm -hmm. So craving chocolate and magnesium, and it's just so cool to tap into that because it's the, the, 
the whole concept of the body awareness project. You become yes. aware of your body. You're curious about it. Yes. Therefore, you're going to make sustainable changes because you just give a shit now. Right. <laughs> so it's really right. cool. Oh, I love it. Um, okay. So my biggest question for you, especially for all my listeners, because I know this is going to be just so great for all of us to hear is how we can help you. So mm. from our perspective, whether we're a trainer or just we love what you're doing mm -hmm. or whether we are, you know, we have, we don't really have anything that we know what's going on. We just want to be a part of it in some way. Yeah. What's the best way to support smart fit girls and really just kind of whether good vibes, mentally energy, all yeah. that, where are you at and like, where are you going and what can we do to help? Yeah. I love it. Um, so I'm going to talk about what moms, for example, can do, or women who are in positions where they have influence um, with adolescent girls first. And then I'll talk about sort of like logistically and what else we could be doing. Perfect. Um, our research and others show that the um, same sex parent is, has kind of the most influence on the development of body image. And so um, moms have a really important role to play. Um, as if moms don't already have enough that they are uh, expected to do. Uh, and I'm a newish mom myself, so I'm totally, I'm totally there. Um, the, the best thing that moms could do is to model loving yourself, right? It's not even as much about what you say to your child. It's what they see you say to yourself, right? So when you look in the mirror, do you say, I'm amazing, right? I am so strong. I am worthy, right? Do they see you feeling that way about yourself? Because that's what develops in them. Um, we have some really interesting data, we, data that we've collected um, where we ask girls about examples of them talking to their moms about their mom's body image. And uh, girls will say, yeah, you know, like, we were in the dressing room and she tried on a dress and she called herself fat or, you know, we were getting ready to go to the beach and she said she looks ugly in her swimsuit or whatever. Right. And so we'll probe a little bit and ask the girls, like, how does that make you feel? And, you know, they'll say sad, frustrated, whatever it might be. And then we say, what about it makes you so sad or frustrated? And they'll say time and again, well, I look like my mom. So when she calls herself fat, ugly, fill in the blank, I feel like she's calling me that. And I think as moms, like we know we should be setting a good example, but we don't take it to the, that extreme of realizing like they're internalizing what we're saying, right? Or they'll say to us, well, everybody tells me I look like my mom. So if she thinks she's ugly, she must think I'm ugly. Mm. Um, so the first, I know it's kind of heavy, right? But no, it's so but, good to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, so important that we model self-love and self-acceptance and feeling like we are amazing, amazing women because we are, right? Um, so that is the first thing that I would love for all of the women that listen to you um, to be modeling for, for girls in their lives. Um, yeah. I love and, that. Yeah. And then as far as other things, you know, we're, we're always, um, we're starting up new locations weekly. Um, so if you have a rec center or a gym or you're at a school and you want to have our program, um, you can certainly contact us on our website, which is smartfitgirls.org. Um, there's a volunteer form. There's an option to start a site that you fill out a little info um, sheet. Uh, so that's one way. Um, we have a really big, very exciting event coming up. Um, it's called Unite for Strength, a women and girls in powerlifting event. Um, it's a very lucky weekend. So yeah. It's going to be the yeah. best weekend ever. <laughs> so on Friday, you can come up to Fort Collins. Saturday, you can go to Emily's new gym, grand opening. No, no, either way, if, somebody, if they're in Fort Collins, they should be going to this. Powerlift. The next um, one, can we host it at Splat? Yes. Totally. Okay. See, that's what we should have done. Yes. Next time. Next time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so it's a two-day event. Friday, we have some really incredible women coming to speak. Um, we have some of our adolescent girls who are going to be speaking, talking about all things women and girls empowerment related. 
Um, and then Saturday, we have a full powerlifting meet for women and girls and anyone who identifies as gender non-binary. Um, so if you want to compete and you've been thinking about competing and you want to do your first meet, this would be an amazing first powerlifting meet to do. Um, and all, for all my listeners, powerlifting is just straight it's deadlift, it's bench, and it's squat. So it's okay. only three moves. So you have three chances to do it. Yep. It's the, it was my first competition that I oh. did powerlifting. And it was a perfect one because it's simple. You don't have to overthink it. It's not clean and jerks or snatches <laughs> in front of people. So it's like such a good way to get your foot in the door. Yeah. And it would be, I mean, you know, it'll be the most supportive environment that weekend. So Come on out if you if you yeah. want to uh, compete. But that would be another way, you know, um, I was telling you earlier, we're getting close to the point of being able to hire somebody um, to serve as an executive director to really take this to the next level. Um, and so our hope is with this event to really be able to raise some funds to be able to do that. Um, because at the end of the day, we just want the greatest number of girls to get this program that possibly can. Ugh. I love it. This is so fun. I'm really glad we connected. This will be one of many conversations and I just, I can't wait to get you downstairs. Yeah, I know. I had to come see. <laughs> yeah, almost. Not yet. Yeah, right. Um, my last question for everybody. I don't know if you knew that I did this, but I ask everyone their spirit animal. I did know that you do this, not my spirit animal. Uh, I, I don't know. And I have also listened to you talk about how you can't really just take a little quiz to find, right? I mean, that can be it's a good start. start. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so when I was taking those little quizzes, um, Eagle was coming up a, a couple times. It was always a bird. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I've got some more work to do. What do you think? Well, I think you're, I love it because you're, free, you know, free spirit and kind of like, I will pave my own path, which is usually a bird tendency, okay. but you're also very like, I don't know if I'm, maybe it's just because you have a two and a half year old, but I don't know, but you're very mama bear, like very yeah. protective and very loyal, which tends to not be, so it's, it might be a combination of the two. So I don't know. Um, I know. Yeah, I will yeah. just, I'll keep my, yeah, is out for you. <laughs> oh, well, but Chrissy, this is so awesome. I really appreciate your time and um, the way that w what you're doing. I just, I love it. It's from a perspective of so much more than just health and fitness. And I think your work is really, really powerful. And I'm just really honored to be able to interview you, interview you and get the word out more. So thank you for being on me at IFB. Yes, thank you so much for having me and uh, we'll look forward to staying in touch. For sure. <laughs>